Welcome into Defeating the Curse, Friday edition, two-man show. Stevie, say hello. Hello, hello. How are you? It's good to see you, Joe. It's good to see you, too. You know, I kind of like these Friday shows. They end up being like this weekend review type format, which I kind of like. It's uh, our uh, it's our way of dumping the news, right? Uh, it is. It's last week tonight, but on a Friday. It's a, it's a little bit of a different format. But, you know, you and I have been – we we are constantly going back and forth about things that are happening in the news outside of the world of sports. I mean, unless you're living under a rock, I think everyone at this point is aware of what happened in Florida, another school shooting, another mass shooting. You know, I think we're on the same side as, on this one, to be honest, as far as we can agree that nobody in America wants to see anybody shot and killed for no reason. Absolutely nobody wants to see children harmed. We're both fathers. It, it's heartbreaking to see the reaction of students at any age having to, to deal with something like this and... Um, you know, certainly for those that, that lost their lives, I mean, they're, they're, it's inexplicable and it's it's horrible and, and you, you feel for them. But you also, I find myself really like feeling for those that survived and those that are, you know, now having to process something like this. And, you know, we can like I'm not going to mention anybody by name or, or the, the shooter in particular by name. Like, I think part of this is because I think we see this type of thing because at some point folks want to be famous. I think that's part of it. I think. You know, it, it's uh, the sports analogy here is people stopped running on the field because the cameras stopped showing people running on the field. And, you know, I don't want to losing a life and running on, a, on the field and getting arrested are two very different things. But <clears throat> it's very hard to see things, you know, uh, and events transpire the way they did. And, and the, the acts of heroism, they, they deserve more coverage than the acts of cowardice, which is what the shooter and all the shooters, mass shooters ultimately end up doing. You know, so without getting into like a gun debate and a, and a Second Amendment thing or a First Amendment thing or anything else, I mean, you're a dad. I mean, what is, what is your initial gut response when you hear anything like this happen? Um, yeah, it's it's tragic. It's horrible. It should never happen. Um, watching the reactions of the parents, uh, I think there was a, a mother on CNN the other day who uh, was, was talking to, to Trump and uh, talking about how she just planned uh, the funeral for her kid. It's, it's awful. I mean, both of us send our children to school every day and the thought of them, something happening to them or them not coming back is terrifying. Um, and yeah, it, 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 I guess these first couple days, I think it's just becoming somewhat way too routine and way too cyclical in the sense of something happens and the first couple of days are really just that flood of emotion, right? And shock and, and emotion and grief and anger and pain and um, uh, courage. Also, when you talk about people like uh, Aaron Feist, the, the, the football coach who saved lives and then, you know, that anger and frustration and, and all leads to that next discussion of, okay, well then where do we go from here? And, to me, I actually, uh, I and obviously, you know, we have differing opinions and, and, and tend to fall on different sides, generally of the political spectrum. But I actually find uh, it, it, I don't want to say comical because it's not comical, but I find it uh, ironic that people are looking to Congress and the president for a solution when I believe that they should pass the strictest gun laws that have ever been passed in this country, and they should ban assault uh, weapons and, and, and rifles and things like that. But I don't believe that's the solution. And I believe those two can be mutually exclusive in the sense of I do believe they should 
do those things for the, the, the good of our country. But at the same time, I don't think if that's what you're hanging your hat on for a solution, that's not going to solve anything. People can get weapons in different ways. I think there is a respect for life that, and, and uh, just a lot of anger and a lot of, of, of mental health. And so that's what I'm saying is the people that say we need to pass uh, stricter gun laws, they can be right. Then the people that say we need more mental health, uh, uh, you know, coverage and care and things like that, they can be right too. And uh, there are times in our country where two people of differing opinions can both be right. And I think we're at a point where uh, we need everyone to be right for the sake of uh, society. When when we start becoming a country that has such a lack of respect of life, whether that's life in the womb or life at a school for high school kids or life uh, for first graders in Sandy Hook, um, that's a bad, bad place I'm with for you. society. And, and life life at a concert in Las Vegas and life in a movie theater mm-hmm. and life, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really sad. I mean, we've grown up in an era, you know, I think the first mass shooting I, I can recall is, a, is combine uh, high school in 90, Nine. 98 or 99. I know I was in high school. Mm-hmm. I think I was a junior at the time. So it, unfortunately this has kind of been a, the, the parallel narrative of our adult lives here. Now we have kids and it's like, I can't, I can't fathom what these parents are going through. And I, listen, I, you're right. You and I see things uh, not not always on the same uh, from the same vantage point, but yeah, I, look, I'm I'm a gun guy, but I'm also the guy who's going to stand up here and say that um, there was more than just guns in play here, right? So we can have a conversation, I'm, and I'm open to it. You're right. Nobody needs assault weapons, okay? Nobody needs long rifles uh, unless it's special permit for hunting or something to that effect. But you know what? I'm also okay with saying things like no one under 25 needs to possess any gun. Right, like we, mm-hmm. the the country says, nobody under twenty one should be drinking, then no one under a certain age should be driving, uh, or voting. Guns, I think, fall in the same category. It's one of those things where you look at countries like Japan, and without adjusting for population size or anything else, it's not a one size fits all solution. I mean, our country is very different, and it's built on a different value system. But I, I agree with you one hundred percent. The the lack of life is the is the issue, and passing gun laws. Uh, it, or or knife laws or anything else, it's not going to stop people from continuing to devalue life. So it's got to be multifaceted. It's really painful to see, <clears throat> and then there's really no like, there's no immediate solution. Like I, I I also get frustrated when people are just start banging the drum and saying <clears throat> we need t- more gun laws. Well, okay, but you know without getting into it, that's it. It'll fix a problem. It's not going to fix this problem. And and the one thing that really sticks out to me is that is this idea that the students, like the ones that were interviewed, and I don't like shoving a microphone in anyone's face and kind of forcing them to talk about it, but how many of them said like, yeah, we knew something like this was coming. We joked that if somebody was gonna, you know, shoot a, shoot up our school, it was gonna be this guy. Like that is to me is the unforgivable piece here, that the students were aware of it, and the school to some extent was aware of it because the previous year or semester they they didn't allow this student on the campus with a backpack like they knew something was wrong and this goes to exactly to your point about mental health like there was if there was something wrong then why was it more done and i don't know what doing something more is in this scenario but that's the worst part is that i can only imagine being a student and you know that survives this and saying we said this last year. We've been joking about that this guy is, is nuts and he's going to do something like this, and and now he's done it. So 
Um, you know, there's no easy pivot off of a topic like this. I felt like, you know, I know it's like a week in review here and, and we are a sports talk show, but how can we not talk about something like this? It's impacted us and our community. And, and even if you don't have kids, nobody, nobody takes joy or uh, any comfort in reading, you know, headlines like this and, and seeing stories like this. But there are acts of heroism, as you noted, that need to be called out too. Um, <clears throat> so I, again, there's no, there's no easy pivot. But I mean, thoughts and prayers absolutely to everybody that 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 is uh, dealing with anything to to that effect. We both have friends that survived the Virginia Tech shooting, for example, and, and something that we continue to see is as people, survivors, like they they end up reliving their own nightmares uh, about whatever they kind of already endured in this scenario. We again, we have friends that survived Virginia the Virginia Tech shooting. Every time something like this happens, we know. It pulls them back in, and it, it it forces them to relive their own their own horrible memories. So, you know, it, we we've taken here nine ten minutes to kind of talk about it. Again, I, there's there's not really much else to say. It's an act of cowardice. I, I I would I wish the media would stop covering it from the way they do by basically trying to uncover every nook and cranny of somebody's psychological profile and what was his name and here's his picture and everything else. I think there is a component of it. Like the combine shooters wanted to be famous. I mean, they, they watched the matrix and they, they wanted to be on the news and that's what their manifestos said later on. Uh, the, the gentleman that shot up the, uh, the gentleman that the, the asshole that shot up the theater in Colorado, right? His, his, his psych evaluation was also, Aurora. yeah, like he was all about it too. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to show people who I am and the world will know my name. Like, there is a component here, like this is this is one way to gain fame, and it's it's dangerous and it's horrible. But you know, it's um, what what can we do except kind of you know force <clears throat> force the conversation forward and and hope for kind of a not not just hope, but actually I want to see a resolution to this. I, I don't I never want to fear for my kids' lives or my own life. I mean, there's off there's there's office parks that get shot up. We saw this in San Bernardino, like somebody just walked into his office and and, and pulled out a gun and started shooting at people, carried over into the street. So. You know, guns are a problem, and I'm saying that as somebody who has guns and likes guns, but guns are a problem when, when they're in the wrong hands and in immature hands. It's no different than alcohol or drugs or anything else, but the ramifications are so much more uh, substantial, you know, and the difference between a, a long rifle and the damage it does or an automatic weapon or an assault weapon and a handgun or a range pistol, I mean, they're, they're night and day. I mean, you could have had five officers in that school on Wednesday and they, they still got to get from one end of the school to the other, and they still have to confront the shooter. And if, if they're shooting with, with pistols and he's shooting with – like it's it's going to be carnage no matter what. So, uh, you Well, know. I, 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 my comfort is in the fact of knowing people like you and, and myself is we're not going to sit around and wait for a, a, a do-nothing Congress to pass some gun law. We're going to raise young men and women that are emotionally healthy, that are in touch with – uh, you know, the, uh, their emotions. And that's what I'm going to do. And the only thing I can do is raise two boys that uh, are loved and cared for and uh, never have, hopefully never have any pent up anger and, and resentment towards anything. And that'll be my little contribution uh, to society, which I think if, if more and more people do that, uh, we could see some change. I love that. And, and I got three girls on my side and uh, you know, and I have a, a wife who grew up hunting and shooting and, and she's never been she's never you know thought to reach for a gun and anger anything else so there's a maturity factor too but I, I agree with you I think if you know these are students and these are impressionable young minds and if they are cared for and 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 shown the love that they that everyone craves you know 
it's I think it's it's much bigger than I think you're 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 undervaluing the importance of that. So I I love that approach. Yeah. And well, this kid this kid wasn't born uh, a killer. Is anybody? No, no. And, and so so you know this is this is a, an innate argument, right? Are you born good or bad, or, or you know good versus evil? And I just I refuse to accept that people are born evil or programmed to to say no and be miserable and and want to inflict harm on others. I'm just not going to buy it. But there's no unless easy... you're Bill Belichick. <laughs> or Bruce Allen here locally. I mean, he's this guy just hates the Redskins for some reason. Uh, look, there's no there's no easy pivot, but I, but let's let's get into some of the sports highlights here here in DC. Where you know, um, have you changed your position on the Alex Smith trade extension in light of what happened with uh, with Jimmy G out in uh, in San Francisco this past week? You're talking about Jimmy G getting paid. Jimmy G, yeah, 137 over five with 90 something guaranteed. Because of seven starts. I, I don't know why you would ask me to change. I don't know what that has to do with the fumbling of the Kirk Cousins situation. No, no, no. Well, the, the fumbling the, happened. Let, let's, the fumbling no, happened. I, they I, had to move past it. They weren't going to. You can't them. distinguish between the Alex Smith situation and the fumbling of the Kirk Cousins situation. They are. It was a, an attempt, a last fail attempt uh, to try to save face. I, I don't. You're trying to take it in a vacuum. Well, no. maybe. Well, yes, you're right. You're right. But the Redskins are now moving from the RG3 era, which was successful to start and not successful Glorious. at the end, okay, to the Kirk Cousins era, and where he's proven that he's a he's a he's better than fifty percent of the quarterbacks in the league, and in eighty percent, eighty percent, and the next era is going to be the Alex Smith era, and you would expect if it wasn't Alex Smith, like this is why I'm I'm changing my tune a bit. Jimmy got paid for seven starts, okay? He and that means Kirk is going to get paid for all for his entire body of work. He's going to get a massive sum of money, and God bless him, and I'm happy for him. The Skins weren't going to pay him that kind of money. They, you're right, they completely messed up the situation. It's over. It's done. Alex Smith is not a bad consolation prize now. In in hindsight, when you really look at this, because who else was going to step in here and play quarterback? Like Ryan Fitzpatrick, AJ McCarron. Uh, I mean, uh, Tyrod Taylor. Like, is, is there is there a him? huge difference between Alex Smith and Colt McCoy? What what yes, what, I believe what, so. what chasm I believe are, so. are you? I believe so. Alex Smith. Listen, Alex Smith was a was a near near Super Bowl caliber quarterback with Jim Harbaugh in the 49ers. He lost his job to injury. One thing that should never happen in sports. He then goes to you know to Kansas to Kaz, right, but he ends up in Kansas City. They end up drafting a quarterback behind him who's going to take the reins. Uh, arguably, or, or probably this coming season, like this guy's always had pressure around him, but he's always performed. I mean, the Redskins aren't getting, and I, I don't mean to pick on Fitzpatrick here, but they're not getting a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill. They're getting a, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who's done it for two different teams in in, in two different conferences. I mean, who's, this who's, is not a huge. I, I don't think it's a huge drop off. The more I look at it, and the more I, I think listen it's a to massive analysts, drop off. I, I, see, I'm. I don't think so. I, I just. I'm not. Like Kirk with his complement of weapons to Alex Smith with the same complement of weapons, I agree that would be a massive drop off. But Kirk without any weapons to Alex Smith with potential for weapons, I mean, we don't know. Like, if they spend this money wisely that they've saved, Steve, if they save the money, like the money that they saved by bringing in Alex and not paying Kirk, if they spend that on a receiver and and re upping most of the defensive guys, then then I I can be okay with this. I can, and he's a bargain at seventy one million guaranteed over the next two and a look, half to three. Look. I I'll put my money where my mouth is. Do do we even have a book of bets? Do we have an intern? Where's LP? <laughs> oh. Look, if you open the book of bets, I will bet you Alex Smith will become a a, a 
a lower tier quarterback, a, a, a 20 to 25th ranked quarterback in the league. Look, in San Francisco, he had uh, he had Harbaugh. He had an offensive line that was always perennially top five, right? He had uh, Joe Staley, left tackle. He had Frank Gore running behind. He handed off the ball a ton. They were a running, they were a power running game. Then he goes to Kansas City and gets, of course, Andy Reid, who whatever time issues he has, time management issues, is an offensive genius who build, puts weapons around him like Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, all these guys. And so Alex Smith is coming to a team with no weapons. So now you're asking a check down quarterback who's used to dumping it off to Tyreek Hill, going 60 yards, or dumping off a screen to Kareem, Kareem Hunt and taking it to the house. I would love to, for somebody, if we had a damn intern, <laughs> to pull up a yards after catch stat for uh, balls that Alex Smith has thrown. And I guarantee you he's in the top three. I guarantee you he's in the top three of dumping it off and letting people go with it. And he has no one here in DC. But why is, why is that a save negative? for Chris Thompson? Okay, so. Okay, but the offense that he's leaving and the offense he's joining are not fundamentally are vastly that, different. Uh, I, I think fundamentally they're very similar. They don't by have, weapons, just by sheer weapons. Okay, but but again, if the skins can go out and bring in a receiver, oh god, right, right, they save who, who, they who save are some the skins going to bring in. Who are uh, they going to bring in? I'm not sure. Who's Bruce Allen? Gonna I'm not in? sure. I, I honestly I don't have an answer for you on that one. I don't, and that's why it's a question mark. Like. Two weeks ago, I was I was livid that we were losing Kirk and that Alex Smith was going to be the next the next Redskins quarterback. Now I'm looking at it and saying, well, you're going from a top ten quarterback to a top fifteen quarterback. That's not that's not terrible in this league. Usually, when you lose a top fifteen guy, you don't get a top fifteen guy back in any capacity. Usually, when you uh, go down a step and you and you de- and have a demotion in the most important position on a football team, that's usually a negative thing. Sure. I, I I don't know why all of a sudden uh, we're we're well, this is these are participation trophies. Well, I wouldn't take it that far. He's but he's not a he's not an uh, an average quarterback. Like he may he may regress to one, but right now he's coming off of a Pro Bowl caliber season, right? And and yes, he's a check down guy. He's not going to throw as many picks as Kirk, but it's about I think it's about the money and how they spend it now. Like and this is the part that you know as fans we get involved in this. Like it's not our money. Right, so we want him to pay Kirk. We want him to do whatever. But at the same time, they're saving this money. Theoretically, if they can bring back Zach Brown, if they can, if they can continue to draft well, uh, re-sign Junior. I, I think Junior had a nice, quiet season last year. I'd like to see him remain a Redskin. Yeah. So, <clears throat> if they spend the money, then this could end up being beneficial because someone is going to break the bank to sign Kirk. And well, apparently, there's a rumor that Bruce wants to franchise tag him to trade him just to continue to stick it to the guy, which, like. If he hasn't lost, you know, all the entire fan base, doing something like that absolutely would. Like, there's no need for that, you know. And and there's a there's a uh, Kirk's cousin or Kirk Kirk Cousins' agent is now saying that they'll file grievance if they do that because it's clear that he doesn't have a spot on the team. So why would you franchise him just to continue to determine where he ends up? So, uh, but now that with McCarron hitting the free market, uh, the free agency market, like that's going to be interesting too. Like he's nobody really knows what he he's capable sucks. of. Well, nobody knows that. Nobody really knows that, you know, but the oh. Bengals knew enough to say we're going to stick with, with our aging uh, redhead, which is interesting, like, because if you were going to take a gamble on somebody, that would be the team and this would be the time to cut bait with uh, with Dalton. But, you know, I, I'm not as down on the Alex Smith move as I was a few weeks back. I think, it, you know, but it, there's a lot of question marks still. I don't have I still don't have a lot of faith in uh, 
in Bruce Allen. And and now he's uh did you know that he was like he was asked about the potential Amazon move to DC? Did you read his comments on that? Bruce? Yeah. Saying that it would be great for the city and and it would be uh, uh something about an influx of uh of new fans or something as if fans just show up and cheer for whoever's local. Send that to Jeff Bezos and and that'll guarantee Virginia doesn't get it. Are you are you of the mind that Amazon will come to the district or Toronto I, or I, Columbus? I, I, I am actually currently, I don't want to give up my location, but I'm currently sitting across the street from a potential Amazon site, which I believe will be the next potential potential Amazon site. I read an article uh, was a week or so ago, which basically said, said this whole HQ2 search is a sham and that Bezos knew where he's opening up this next headquarters and that he was just trying to see what he could get from various cities, right? So if Atlanta says, we'll give you all these tax incentives and all these breaks, and uh, you know he doesn't go with them. He'll say, "Okay, well, I'm not going to go with you for HQ2, but let's build a giant distribution center there, and you give me the same corporate tax breaks." And now he's got an inside profile on every city in America, what they're willing to give, what land they have available, you know, what what tax rates they're willing to give them. So smart dude. I mean, he's the it's, it's, he's the he's the prostitute that everyone wants to land. Like, right? Everyone's I, just here, this is I what I'm willing pay to do. Top for dollar you. for him. Yeah. I mean, he's coming to DC. He's what already about the political in DC. implications of of Amazon coming to any of these spots. Have you? I mean, that's a that's a thing. No one seems to be talking about Amazon and and the infrastructure that it would bring, and potentially fifty to a hundred thousand new jobs in Columbus, for example, could potentially shift that the demographic of the of just not just the city, but the entire state from an electoral perspective. Well, who who who? You're, like if he comes to DC, for example, right? Like the 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 generic Amazon worker is going to tend to be, uh, you know, lean Democrat and younger, right? So well, uh, DC, Virginia, and Maryland are all blue states. Uh, but Columbus, Ohio, has been on the fence for several election cycles now, right? Uh, no, right, right, right. But I'm saying or, if he comes even to Atlanta, DC, could I don't you think imagine? He's... Could you could you imagine if, if it does end up going into uh, into Atlanta, for example, and you bring 100,000 new voters plus the subsequent markets, industries, and people to come work, like, it would attract so many young people. The, the political ramifications actually are fascinating to me, like, as somebody who's just fascinated by politics. He could literally, Amazon could literally shift a state and lock it up for, for the Dems with one move to, uh, to a currently, like, it could go blue. If he moves into a red state, he, especially if it's like a Columbus or an area where uh, because of the way electoral college is set up and and the population densities and things of that nature, he could literally flip a state. I mean, is there any other corporation on the on, in the world that no. <laughs> that could do something like that? That's insane. Uh, that's that's a good point. I mean, I think what uh, you should also be interested in. I mean, we're talking about ten years, right? HQ two from the day they announce it, it'll take eight to ten years to build. Um, so people won't be moving in. But what will be immediate is the real estate. Uh, effect. I mean, oh, yeah. you talk about the day after they announce this puppy, uh, housing prices are going to soar, whatever locality, whatever metropolitan area. And so I am but excited at the proposition of that here in the district. <laughs> so you could sell, move to Florida, right? You could watch the Nats full time. I, in the summer, uh, anyway. Give me a couple of weeks and then I'll let you know after I get back from West Palm Beach. What's, uh, what, what's your timeline to get down there? I'll be there March 6th. Uh, which is a Tuesday. I'll be uh, at the Nats Astros game. Obviously, seeing the World Series champs, uh, who obviously share uh, spring training with them, and then I'll be there Thursday for the Mets. Try to get a little Tebow action. That sounds good, actually. 
Yeah, it's a, and then Wednesday will be a little beach day. Get the little beach body ready. Do a little uh, sandcastle making. <laughs> okay. Nice little uh, three day trip. Me and the boy. Well, give us a little. Give us some nuggets on the Nats here. I mean, obviously, new manager coming into town. The Bryce, the circuit, the the Bryce Circus will be all season long. We'll be talking mm-hmm. about that for sure. Um, it's unlikely he gets traded, so I think it's going to be an ongoing narrative. There's always a chance, though, that something crazy happens, <laughs> but it's probably not going to happen. There's not enough. There's the Nats won't get enough in return, but you know the learners are still in place. Rizzo's still in place. The managers changed over. Uh, a lot of changes on the coaching staff, but the roster in large is intact. So, you know, wh- what do you expect to see at spring training besides you know some marginally overweight or out of shape folks kind of getting ready to go? <laughs> well. Okay, so pitchers and catchers reported on Monday. I think the other guys. You no, know, by the way, that always sounds dirty, and, and there's no. I don't have an ex, like an explanation as to why pitchers and catchers sounds dirty. It just does. I don't it's know. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, we've been I, waiting I, for months and months for it. It's sitting through this god awful NBA season. Okay, I gotta watch the NBA. Uh, is, but you know, I'm sparing you the NBA talk. But you are you are missing out on one of the best seasons. I watched the game. Watched. I watched uh, LeBron and his new cohorts uh, play a game. It's incredible how quickly. Yeah, just segue segue here for just a second. Uh, sidebar, sidebar is a better term because we're gonna talk about it and move off of it real quick. Uh, the Cavaliers just went from like like eight to one to four to one odds. They rebuilt their entire team on the fly, this and kid, Kevin Love is still kid, coming back. I didn't even think about Kevin Love, but this kid Jordan Clarkson is my god. I mean, he's electric. Uh, you know, and I'm then surprised the Lakers. Little... I'm surprised the Lakers moved him and Nance. To be honest, like that was. Uh, I don't know if they're giving up on Walton or what's going on there, but it's the Lonzo show out in L.A., which is not fun for everyone. And <laughs> Disaster. And, and LeVar, Le, you hear LeVar's latest comments? We I could do a whole show on it. I could talk forever about the NBA. LeVar is all now three. saying that, that Lonzo won't re-up and stay with the Lakers if all three balls don't sign, if, if the Lakers don't sign all three. At one point, Incredible. if you're Lonzo Ball, do you say, Dad, shut up? Yeah, I would just start trashing him to the media. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta just cut ties with that guy you're roping me into an nba conversation that i don't want to have fine fine let's pivot back pitchers and catchers the nats <laughs> Look, spring training pitchers and catchers reported what, on monday is anything going to change do we if we didn't say a word about the nats until the playoffs next year it it's let me let me say it this way they had a, at one point a 17 to 20 game lead in the division this past season correct yeah and they'll have that again this year. they're gonna have it again so how does a casual fan or even a hardcore one actually get up for any of these games before the playoffs? They well, should I run mean, away I, with the division. Yeah, it's not get up for it like it's uh, you know game seven season on the line, but it's uh, watching the progression of this team is a beautiful thing. I mean, you talk about a roster that is stacked, and I'll give you a couple things to watch for right off the the. the I got the my pen here. Give me, give me something. Is the fifth? Uh, so uh, uh, let me let me dumb it down here okay for 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 uh for you thank you is every team has five starting pitchers right they have a pitching rotation of i'm not five an idiot players. the nats have basically locked up their first four guys it's been like does this it matter if you pitch since... the wrong one at the wrong time yes they have a schedule that's the whole point is they pitch every fifth day that's that's the so purpose. for example you wouldn't want to pitch max out of rotation in the playoffs no there's a well, no, 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 no. In the playoffs, this is a totally different beast, right? It's, it's, you know, all hands if on Strassi deck. If Strassi shows up and has the sniffles, do you pitch him? Uh, in in June, no. Okay. But in in October, yes. So, ever since Max showed up, it's been the same four guys. Max it's kind of Strasburg. ironic because they didn't pitch him in October. 
or September, whenever it was. Remember, he got sick in well, Chicago. He had the sniffles. They had a they had a twenty game lead, but they needed the game. No, in the playoffs. In the playoffs. Are you talking about in the playoffs? In the playoffs. Let's can we not linger on the? Do you see why casual baseball fans hate baseball? And then you got you got that pitcher. I can't, I'm blanking on his name. Who wants to extend? He he was pissed because they want to put in a pitch clock. They want to cap it at at uh, 15 seconds. There is a pitch clock. They want to enforce it or something. And I don't remember the fatty's name, but he was like, "No, I need thirty. I need the full thirty seconds between pitches." It's probably Bartolo Colon. Anyway, so what the the biggest competition going into camp is the fifth starter, right? Because Joe Ross had Tommy John surgery. Um, and so he's out for probably till July, probably uh, even longer, maybe the entire season. Uh, so really, you're looking at some of these young guys. You're looking at A.J. Cole, uh, who, who pitched pretty well last year towards the end of the season when a couple of the guys were getting rest. You're looking at the young kid is Eric Fetty, who had a rough uh, go of it last year, but has all the promise to be uh, an elite pitcher. And then you're looking at, uh, you know, old faithful Edwin Jackson, uh, who, who's the, the – Wiley veteran who came in last year uh, gave, gave several good innings, several good starts. So that'll be the big thing. The other good thing, to, the other big thing to look at is Adam Eaton, who was playing at an incredible level last year before he basically tore his leg and tore his, his ACL. Uh, can he come back by opening day? And when he does come back, is he the same Mighty Mouse uh, player that, that we were used to in the beginning of the season that can really change this lineup? Um, that's a huge – I mean, you're basically adding a, an all-star in left field, which is incredible. I mean, how many teams can say that? Um, other big thing is to watch the young kids, Victor Robles. I mean, Victor Robles is that five-tool player that everyone's been, uh, you know, salivating over in the minor leagues for several seasons now. They called him up last year towards the end of the season. Uh, you know, he showed some electricity. So what, what are they going to do in center field, right? Michael A. Taylor has got a lock on the job. Brian Goodwin has shown that he can play really, really well when he's called up. And then you got Victor Robles. So do you hold back Robles uh, because there's no room for him? Or do you bring him up and let him compete with uh, Michael A? You know, and Michael A has shown that he can get streaky and on both sides, he can get really hot and get really cold. Do you retain all this in your head? Are yeah. You... I can't remember anything about my marriage. <laughs> it's all it's all baseball. It's all it's, baseball. It's, That's the only thing you have in there. A finite number of facts in my head, okay? And then the last thing is the Bryce saga. And I think the Bryce saga will be really interesting to watch if on two fronts or, or, or if one of two things happens. Either he has a torrid, hot start to the season where he's just killing it and just ripping it. Then I think you'll have people talking about the extension. You'll have people talking about the contract. Or if he starts off really, really, really cold. And then I think you'll have people talking about the extension, talking about the contract in a negative sense. So I think either if he has a mediocre start, uh, you know, I think things will die down. But if he has one of those two extreme starts, people will be talking here in D.C. on on both sides. How do you think it plays out? Do you think he ends up – is he in that next year? No, I think Rizzo's already made a decision. I think he actually may have informed even Boris because they're boys. Um, that look, tell Bryce to go out and bl- I, I think it's a win-win if Bryce has an incredible season this year because it'll benefit the Nats and it'll benefit Rizzo uh, in the sense that the team will be better and I think he'll be playing for a contract. So I think it's in Rizzo. I think Rizzo's decided that no player, including Bryce Harper, especially Bryce Harper, is not worth uh, four to $500 million. Uh, so I think when you come to that conclusion – I think it's best to just kind of let bygones be bygones and just let everyone know that, hey, 
you can get this somewhere else. You're not going to get it here. Do you think you that's can get it okay. somewhere else? Is someone yeah. going to pay that kind of money? Well, you know, it's funny. Is it, 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 we get back to the political conversation. It really depends on how the economy is doing. I mean, do, do you want – it depends on whether these owners have the pockets for it. They got it. I mean, there's a, Shaq used to say, uh, you know, I thought I was rich until I realized that my check was coming from a person, right? Like, Well, we should get to the uh, Shaq and Kobe conversation. Oh, I, can't, I don't know. I can't if, wait. <laughs> him and Barkley threw down last night. Uh, over it how many, how many that's a normal occurrence though good for them i love it it makes a good tv well Bar- barkley's a phenomenal he's a phenomenal analyst like pure basketball analyst he's great no holds barred he, he gets into the the nuts and bolts of the game i, I actually love listening to him and Shaq, you know Shaq's a, a personality more than an analyst he's not gonna he's not gonna give you the the x's and o's he's of a caricature anybody, but yeah but when they get into it i mean Shaq's Shaq's always going after him right no championships and yeah, and Barkley uh, always fires easy. back the same way. He's like, "Oh yeah, you, you did a lot without Kobe and and Wade, right?" Yeah, that's the easy kill shot on Barkley. Right, and and Barkley was even quoted, I think, like two or three years, uh, two or three months ago at the start of the season. He was like, "And my co-host uh, this year is the only guy to play for every team in the in the NBA, right? <laughs> Just taking shots left and right." So, yeah, they there's no love lost between them. I think they're friends, but definitely they get into it. Uh, and the Kobe Shaq sit down is uh, something I'm looking forward to, personally. Yeah, good for good for TNT. Yeah, but it's something that I think people, you know, we're, we're talking about a decade later, and it's still, you know, it, it ended one of the best runs in the NBA in NBA history. 